I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, everyone. This is Raise Your Voice as part of the D-Rays Bay podcast network. I'm your host, Brett Rutherford. And on this week's episode, we are leaving the baseball diamond leaving Tropicana Field and heading down the road to Alang Stadium, home of the Tampa Bay Rowdies. For those of you who for some reason may not be aware, the Rowdies are a professional soccer club in St. Pete playing in the USL Championship. That is the United States second division just below MLS. And they are actually owned by the Tampa Bay Rays. Now, I've been actively attending Rowdies games and supporting the team since 2016, but I wanted to get someone on the show that has been a fan for a lot longer than I have and one that actually hosts a Rowdies podcast to come on here and raise his voice about the club. So I called up my buddy and words with friends rival, Matt Cox, host of the Unused Substitutes soccer show, and he is on the pod tonight. Fun fact, he actually came up with the name Raise Your Voice for me when I was you know, brainstorming ideas for this podcast uh, uh, a couple of years ago, really. But Matt, welcome. Uh, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and Unused Substitutes? Uh, hey, what's up, everybody? Uh, my name is uh, Matt, like Brett said. I'm uh, a lot older <laughs> than Brett, uh, unfortunately for me, uh, which explains why I've been uh, uh, around the Rowdies a, a little bit longer. I, I, was actually, uh, I was actually alive when they were first around. The, I was uh, not. The, the title they won in 1975 was just a few short months before I was born. It's like the only thing significant that's happened in the, the life of the club that uh, – I haven't been around for and my I grew up over here I, I was born in Clearwater but I uh, when I was like four or five we moved to West Palm uh, so I don't remember it but my parents told me they used to go to Rowdy's games like when I was a little kid and take me uh, uh, back at the old sombrero uh, in those days so I, a little bit of history and then when they came back I, uh, I got involved and uh, have been doing the podcast now for I guess we're on our sixth season Wow, kind of on a hiatus as as well with uh, everything going on, uh, but yeah, that's 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 a little bit about me. I I just had to go double check. I I think you actually got me in words the other day. Uh, it doesn't happen often. No, I I then I I played uh, I played my turn a few moments ago, and I was like, wow, I'm actually that's 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 I'm I'm way far ahead right now, and I'm kind of surprised. Yeah, well, I, I'm gonna say that uh, the, the words with friends—it's a rivalry. It's a little bit lopsided. All you've got the years. You're wiser. You're more experienced. So I'll, I'll uh, very polite way of saying I'm up there. I appreciate. It. <laughs> so the, you mentioned the Rowdies. The, the first iteration of the Rowdies that you know started all the way back in the '70s. Um, they played in the old original NASL. They had players. This was before MLS even existed. So this was the top flight you know, professional right. soccer league in the U.S. Uh, they had Rodney Marsh, who was a very famous player from England. And when they played in the Sombrero, they welcomed the likes of Pele and Manchester United even came and played a friendly. Um, but what do you know in, in from, do you have any other like stories from when your parents were watching the club then and when it was first starting out that you remember? 
Not a ton. I did have to go back and verify that I was not born nine months after they won the championship the first time. But <laughs> I, I'm not a, a championship baby. I, it's just a pure coincidence, I guess. Uh, but no, I, I not really. I mean, they went as kind of like a social event. They weren't like giant in yeah. sport or anything. My mom was originally from Canada, so she was more of a she'd be more of a hockey person if anything. And uh, I think my dad just went for like dollar beer nights, probably. Oh, I would too. If I was at age, <laughs> still got a couple more months. But I mean, it didn't. It didn't. Yeah. well, you know, that was the first iteration of the club, and and it's, it speaks a lot about the club's history because that was the first professional sports team that wasn't a minor league affiliate or a spring training home in the Tampa Bay area. They started about a year or two before the Bucks, I believe, um, were in the NFL. So the Rowdies not only have, you know, so much history in the Tampa Bay area, but in professional soccer in this country as well. Um, and then they went until the end of the nineties, I'm pretty sure played in a couple indoor leagues and hung around in the professional ranks before folding. And then they came back, in 2010 and I think that's right around the time you started following the club right yeah so uh like a lot of uh soccer fans in America especially uh, older folks like us I, I grew up like I was not a traditional soccer fan I didn't, I didn't follow clubs anywhere I didn't follow uh players I I was a big fan of uh Gabriel Batistuta from from Argentina but it was like I was one of those you know every four years the world cup comes around especially 94 was when I graduated high school that's when the world cup was in the U.S. so uh, it was a big thing going on. I was kind of into it then and uh, got into college at USF and, and ended up with a county friends, with a lot of soccer fans. And, but still like every four years, we went to mutiny games, you know, every now and then, but it just, eh, it didn't really didn't take off. I mean, it, they were good. It was a good team. They had good attendance, but it just, I don't know. It just didn't, uh, it was a thing to do rather than a, a thing that we wanted to do back then. Uh but 2010, and I actually, I went and looked this up just to see uh, how close we were to the date. And it was June 23rd, 2010, Landon Donovan scores that last gasp goal against Algeria in the World Cup to get the U.S. out of the group stage. Uh, I was in a Beef O'Brady's in, uh, in, in Parrish, <laughs> Florida, a little bit north of here, a little bit between here and Tampa. Uh, buddy of mine from college, him and his family owned the Beef O'Brady's in, in Manatee County uh, for the most part. So he had opened up early. We were in there. Uh, I had my wife and then my then two-year-old daughter with us and he scores that goal and I, I just go nuts I flip out uh, and I was just kind of like you know this this is fun I, I want to do this more often I want to you know I, I get it now so that's uh, around the time the, uh, the the rallies were like they actually had a game I think that afternoon so they were doing kind of like double headers and trying to schedule games in in uh, like because the World Cup stuff was in the morning and then they had played in the afternoon. So we went up and started going to those games uh, when they were playing at Steinbrenner Field up in, in Tampa yeah. across from, from Raymond James. Um, and I had some friends that I worked with at the time that were big, long-term, diehard soccer fans. So they kind of got, you know, more into it as well. And I was just like, right, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get into this. And there's a local team. So cool. We'll start going to this. Uh, uh, back then they were, it was FC Tampa Bay. They didn't have the, the legal rights to the Rowdies name. But uh, it, we were going to start out like, like with something local. And my, my story is a little bit similar. I think like a lot of American soccer fans, you know, you get swept up in the World Cup. Obviously, 2010, I was 10 years old. 2011, um, you know, Abby Wambach and that women's team in 2011, obviously they lost in the final, um, but still such a fun team to watch. 
and I, I had started to follow English soccer a little bit. I had I played rec soccer, and a, a coach like named our team Chelsea because he was a Chelsea fan. So that became, and I know you're you're shaking your head at that, but that became my team just really by chance. And that was right around the time, and I started doing some research in Chelsea. And one of the players that I really liked watching highlights on YouTube was Joe Cole. And I know he played for Liverpool too later in his career, but even later on in his career, he ended up in St. Pete playing for the Tampa Bay Rowdies, um, signed in May of 2016, I want to say. And that summer, um, I, you know, I just started driving. I, I got my first car and wanted a chance to, to go catch some local soccer. I had never been to a Rowdies game before. They had just signed a former Chelsea player and a damn good one too in, in Joe Cole. And so I go to, I think it was, it was July. It might've even been August, um, but the Rowdies are hosting Puerto Rico FC. This is the, their last season in NASL. And uh, in the uh, eighth or ninth minute, throw-in comes in from, it might've been Eric Avila on the throw-in. And Joe Cole plays the ball off his chest, bicycle kick into the net for a goal. And that was the first goal I saw live at a Rowdies game. And uh, you know, wow. from, yeah, how can you not be hooked? After yeah, that. I still remember exactly. I remember I w- where I was sitting at that moment, and 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 because I was I was up in the press section, and uh, I was sitting next to uh, the guy that does most of the writing and, and runs our website. Jake actually lives in New York, yeah, uh, in Brooklyn, but he's from uh, uh, down here, like Pasco County originally, and was down happened to be in town visiting his parents and came to the game, and we were like, "Holy crap! Did you just see that." <laughs> Now, you mentioned Jake, who's done some great stuff. He's actually written a piece for D-Rays Bay when when the Rays bought the team. Um, But tell me a little bit about Unused Substitutes, how it came about, what all that you guys do, because it's more than just the podcast. Obviously, you have the, the site as well. So you, uh, you, you mentioned the, the Liverpool connection with Joe Cole. So when I became a Rowdies fan, I was like, okay, this is good, but I want to get into like a European team too. I want to find yeah. uh and there were a couple connections, like the Rowdy's first manager, who is now the like the president of Miami FC, was Paul Dalglish, the son of one of Liverpool's most famous players, Kenny Dalglish, uh, player mm-hmm. coach. Uh, and when they started the team up, they actually uh, Liverpool let them use their training facility in in England as uh, like the, the the site for an international combine for uh, scouting and recruiting players. So I kind of like that connection and. Uh, I, I actually, I spent like a couple weeks, like researching all these clubs and, uh, you know, which one did I think I was going to be into. And, and it, a lot of it came down to, uh, I didn't want to, you know, a lot of people pick Man United because there's the connection with the Glazers and the Buccaneers and because they win a ton of stuff. They did not so much <laughs> anymore. Uh, I didn't want to hop on that because that would seem that to me felt like it was just like bandwagon kind of thing. Um, I kind of liked the a lot of the stuff like the, the history of Liverpool uh, and became a fan of them for and it, and it, with lots of different reasons, but mostly because I had some friends here that were big fans and I'd have people to hang out with and watch with. Uh, and through that, I got involved with the Liverpool Tampa group and that's where I, and, and that in, in Liverpool Twitter on, uh, on online, which is always an interesting place. Um, I try to stay away. Yeah. Yeah. I don't blame you. Uh, I met a guy uh, named Dan from Pasco County and we, and like, we just hit it off and he's, he became a rowdy season ticket. We met at a, uh, a, a Ralph's mob event, picking up our season tickets. And then the next day Liverpool was playing in the, uh, the league cup final 
when they played Cardiff. So we hung out for that one. And then we just kind of like, we talk about stuff. Uh, we, we had these long running like DMS on Twitter. We still do it today. Honestly, he's moved on from the show and is doing uh pursuing other things, but we still, we still <laughs> talk about these. In fact, we've been talking about stuff today. Uh, and then, he always says that it was it was my idea. I swear it was his idea. But we, one of us at some point just said, we should like do this as a podcast. Like maybe people would want to listen. There, there, there was not a ton of of, of like local media coverage uh, of the team, and it, it's slightly better, but still not so great. So we kind of thought there was an opening, especially if it was something that was like fan created and and and, and from a fan's perspective, because. Those are the people who really care the most. So we started out doing uh, the podcast. We met Jake. Uh, Jake was a guy we'd read. I, I'd read his stuff before and other websites when he wrote for uh, Empire Soccer of other things and, and ran into him one time. And, and he was like, hey, I'd you know, love to like, do something with you guys. So we're like, well, we have a website set up to like, promote the podcast. Let's start putting stuff there. So we did that for a while. We've, we've done an online uh, digital like, game day magazine. Uh, called the bench, which, uh, like most things, is on hiatus. We got all, all excited this year. They, the Rowdies were like, "Hey, we're bringing in a women's team. We're bringing in a, a, a like a youth squad. We got an esports team, and we're like, cool. We got people to gonna like cover all these things. And yeah, now none of it's happening. So we we've, we've got a lot out there, uh, and have a whole lot of stuff we're looking forward to start doing or start doing again at least when and and if the uh, the season kicks off again. Well, you bring up a good point because when I started going to games, you know, in 2016 and then really in 2017, before I went off to college, I was going to, I think, every home game. But I started to look for uh, coverage of the Rowdies in local media, and that wasn't always there. And there are some, some great reporters and journalists in the Tampa Bay area that have covered the Rowdies and have done a great job. But one of the first, you know, your guys' podcast was one of the first things I found and, and became, you know, an avid listener of because you guys, you know, it was, it was a podcast for the fans, by the fans. And in, in that first game, when Joe Cole scored that goal, you know, the first thing you hear, and I was actually down, I think I might have been down in the, in the section where you have your season tickets. Uh-huh. My back is to the mob section. Uh, Ralph's Mob is the, uh, you know, supporters, independent supporters group. Uh, for the Tampa Bay Rowdies, one of, not the only one. Um, but, you know, you hear them start going nuts, and I'm like, how do I get up there? And I think that was the last time I sat in seats at Alang. Um, But, yeah, you know, you guys have done a great job covering the team, and this this season was going to be, I think, the, one of the most interesting ones because of, like you said, the women's team and, and the youth team, and it's something they've been trying to build up for the last few years. But, Matt – I know the answers to these, these questions or these misconceptions, but with the Rowdies and, and the lack of media coverage and the lack of, of maybe soccer support in the area, I always hear people say, oh, the Rowdies are a minor league team or the Rowdies are a semi-professional team, which is just mm-hmm. flat out false. Um, but, but talk to me a little bit about these misconceptions and, and kind of uh, you know, you know, you know, flip them around, uh, inform the public. All right. So, and, and, and kind of, you know, pushing back against those, those, those depictions are another one of the reasons that we started doing some of this. I, I, I remember coming out of a game and I, I don't think we'd even started really the show yet. I, I know we've been talking about it, but came out of it. It was one of the July 4th games against Fort Lauderdale where they have the fireworks show and everything afterwards uh, come out of there and, you know, had Rowdy's gear on or whatever, walking out of the stadium and someone else is walking along there and, and they're like, Oh yeah, I remember the Rowdies. And, 
yeah, that, that, that was a lot. It used to be a lot of fun. And I'm like, they're playing, you know, again. <laughs> He's like, oh, really? Where? And I'm like, right here. Right in the stadium <laughs> that all these people walking out of uh, are, are coming from. And he's like, oh, wow. Yeah, like, just had no, no idea about it. Um, but to, to go to the, uh, the, the misconceptions, uh, and I actually went and did a little, little research to make sure I had the proper definitions. The, now, you could, you could maybe use some of these terms to accurately describe some of the other clubs in the league. But it's definitely, yeah. definitely not a rowdy thing. Because uh, a semi-professional uh, technically means that the, the, the team is not your full-time job. And with the Rowdies, it is. They, when they were in NASL, they were the first club to offer year-round contracts to players, not just contracts for the playing season. Uh, if you're semi-professional, you're usually making your full-time income somewhere else. And a lot of these guys have side hustles and, yeah. and, and side gigs and coaching and, and, and uh, private uh, lessons and things like that. But the team is their full-time job. That's you know the easiest way I can describe it. And as far as minor league – that always seems to be kind of more just due to the, the American mindset of franchises yeah. and, and, and leagues and stuff like that. Um, but it's not true. Like there is, it, it's true. There is a higher division. There's a, 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 you know, there's major league soccer and maybe this, the name major league soccer contributes to that idea as well too. Um, and we don't have promotion relegation here like we do in, in well, basically everywhere else in the world, <laughs> but there is a process where a team could move from this division to uh, first division. Minnesota United has done it recently. Uh, that team in Orlando has done it. We, we're not going to mention them by full name. Uh, the central Florida Aztecs. Um, <laughs> there's a number like Sacramento Republic's moving up and it's, it's, it's a money-based kind of promotion, but there is a, there's a, 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 a process the, the Rowdies were, you know, publicly campaigning for it with MLS to St. Pete a while back. Um, doesn't look like it's going to happen in the near future. And I, I don't know that the, uh, the, the, the current ownership is, is pushing for it as, like Bill Edwards was. Um, and, and it's true that there are, you know, a lot of MLS players kind of get their start in, in USL and NASL in these lower division uh, teams. There's a couple ex-Rowdies playing in MLS today. Um, uh, Jeff Atnello with uh, is he still in Portland? I, he might have moved on. I'm not 100 percent sure. And also an NFL player. Yeah, we got an NFL player. One of the the uh, the the kicker for I Jacksonville. Know he was with, I knew it was with Jacksonville for a while. Josh Lambeau uh, was a Rowdy's goalkeeper. Yeah. Uh, he was on loan from FC Dallas the uh, the first season. Uh, but there's been a couple of players. There's been players that have gone to Europe. There've been players that have played in the World Cup the very first season. In 2010, uh, one of the Rowdies players was a player on the uh, gosh, Australian, no, New Zealand uh, World Cup team. Mm-hmm. Got into a couple games. One of the games, I think they drew Italy in, in one of the games he played in. So that was kind of cool. Um, but the, the way that the, uh, the, the leagues are, are classified is, is decided by U.S. soccer. And there's these set standards. They call them the professional league standards. And it has to do with the size of your stadium, the, the income of your – uh, ownership group and stuff like that. USL could, in theory, say, "Hey, we want all our clubs to meet this these standards because we're going to apply to be a Division One sanctioned club." Like minor league baseball can't do that. The NBA D League can't do that. But USL could, in theory, on paper, try to become a Division One club on the same level with MLS or Division One league. 
it's not going to happen. They, they, they kind of, uh, they enjoy their spot as this number two division because they're really the most stable number two divisions <laughs> that have been in U.S. soccer. Uh, NASL tried the whole, we're going to be division one also. And, and now NASL is, is a logo in uh, an attorney apparently. So it didn't really work out for him. So it's, it's not this, like, it's not the same. There's some similarities and that one makes more sense why people think that than semi-pro uh but not accurate it's a fully professional club fully professional players whose job is to play professional soccer yeah and in the way I'll, i explain it to people sometimes is that usl championship you could if you want to call it a minor league but the rowdies are not a minor league team they are fully independent they are right. not an affiliate of any major league club or any other club in the world like some other teams in usl championship are so if you know, we can get back to Alang this year with fans, um, you know, and you saw the Rowdies playing Toronto FC two. Uh, there are teams like that in the league. And I think you and I kind of have an affliction for those teams, yeah. uh, you know, being involved in you USL know, championship. Hey, hey, there's some that do a great job. Like Red Bulls two does a great job. Like they, I mean, they, they go out there, they're competitive. They try, they've won championships in this division. Uh, Bethlehem steel, like they don't get the results, but they put a professional effort into it. Yeah. In terms of developing it, but yeah, you've got, you've got teams like TFC two, which, you know, now they're down in league one, they're a, a step below yeah. now. Even. Uh, there, there's, there's a lot of teams out there that don't have the, the last championship was won by uh salt lakes B team. Yeah. So with a former Rowdies player, two former Rowdies players on it actually, cause uh, Luke Mulholland was playing for them. Oh really? Yeah. He, he, he's, I think he went there as like an almost like an injury rehab, like minor league baseball. Yeah. But then he, uh, there wasn't a really a spot for him at, at that point back in Salt Lake, so he's just kind of stuck around. Yeah, they had Jack Blake and Luke Mulholland, who was who started for the Rowdies when they won the championship in NASL in 2012, back with uh, uh, back with the team in the championship there. So, yeah, that's pretty much it for that. Well, we are going to talk a little bit about the experience at Al Lang and, and maybe what fans can expect this season with the Rowdies or going forward with the Rowdies whenever their season does start. We're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. And we are back with Raise Your Voice. Like I said, we've got Matt Cox on the show today, host of the Unused Substitutes Soccer Show. That is a, a, a podcast covering the Tampa Bay Rowdies. Tampa Bay's very own professional soccer club. Um, but, but Matt, for people that have never been to Al Lang or, or been to Al Lang for a soccer game or experienced a Rowdies game, uh, what can you tell them about the experience at Al Lang, everything that the stadium has to offer, that the club has to offer, whenever we can get back into the stadium safely and, and, and watch the games? So the game itself is just fun to watch. Like I, like I said, I, I got into it by watching a game on a big screen TV in a sports bar. But when you actually go to a game – uh, the, 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 like in stadium experience is, is usually is what uh, seals the deal for people on becoming soccer fans. Uh, and I've, you know, I've been to, to, uh, baseball games. I've been to football games. I've been to basketball games. Uh, there's no 
game where, in my opinion, the fans have as much impact on what's going on, where there is as much a part of the action uh, as you get at a soccer game because you've got, you know, and there's all different styles that you, that you can see, but what you get a lot of the Rowdies games are uh, nonstop singing, chanting, drumming, uh, pending negotiations with the city of St. Pete, smoke bombs when the uh, yeah. goals are scored or other things happen. But it's, it's a loud, nonstop environment. It's designed to uh, uh, get the players, uh, you know, kind of pepped up and, and to even intimidate the, uh, the, the other team a little bit. And you'll, you'll hear sometimes, like when you've had it, with, you hear players that sign here. And, and some of it, I'm sure, is, is like the PR bit of, you know, establishing relationships with your new team and your new fans and everything. Uh, but one of the things mentioned is always the atmosphere that's created uh, by the fans. <coughs> Excuse me. You're good. And even uh, now that the uh, the Bundesliga has come back, the German soccer league and, and uh, uh, Premier League is getting ready to come back in the Spanish uh, La Liga, uh, they're not playing in front of fans. And the first couple of games, they just played in, in like the, the empty stadiums. But now if you watch the broadcasts, they're actually starting to pump in crowd noise, not in the stadium itself, but out on the video feed. Um, because it's so weird to watch a game and not hear that. I'm personally, I'm not a huge fan of it because uh, to me, it's just disconcerting. Like I, I can see from the video, there aren't fans there. This, this noise seems weird to me. Yeah. And it also kind of seems, and again, this is my personal opinion. Like it's, it's almost like disrespectful to the fans. It's like, well, you couldn't be here, but we found a way to replace you. So it's okay. <laughs> Here's uh, what you might sound like. Yeah. There's uh, I think it was the team in, in, in the Danish league. Maybe they've set up a ton of video monitors in like the lower stands and it's there they have fans watching on zoom oh wow uh, but just all around the stadium and they you know i'd be worried about you know someone doing something untoward on on yeah right there kind of like player level like ground level uh but that you know that kind of experience at the game and and then because this is a lower division i I was talking to one of the guys uh one of the uh the writers for the athletic one of the soccer writers a week or two ago uh, and like I said, Minnesota United is one of those teams that went from USL, uh, well, NASL, to Major League Soccer. And when it's a lower division team, like the, the connection between the players and fans is, is uh, so much more like, and you'll see it on the road a lot, like the, the, the players come over and, you know, post game, uh, thank the fans for coming, kind of clap them, uh, pictures and stuff like that. And, and, and even at MLS, you don't get that as much. You don't, you don't have that connection. So, uh, if you want to call it minor league, you can, but it's still a, a, a real fun time to go to. It's, it's, it's one of the best times, especially with all the work that's been put into Al Lang to convert it into a, uh, I call it a soccer centric rather than soccer specific. Like it wasn't built with that in yeah. mind, but it's been converted and it truly is a soccer stadium now. And it's, it, it, it's, it's a, a great place to, to, we, we hear teams that come in, they've had uh, uh, foreign teams, they've had European teams, they've had MLS teams that come in almost like, you know, for like soccer spring training, basically, uh, comment on it, what a great area it is to play in, like how well the field is, the, the, the stadium itself, the location right on the water. Uh, it's, to me, it's the best place to go see any kind of athletic event in the Bay Area. Yeah, I always tell my parents, when I try to convince them to go with me. Games are only two hours long. You don't have to worry about extra innings or anything like that. And there's plenty of beer. Yep. <laughs> it's a great atmosphere. You've got a ton of like bars and restaurants right there on Central Avenue. Uh, there's food trucks at the games before, yeah. the, the before and during the games you can go to. 
like it, and like you said, it's you know it's not a four hour experience like an NFL game. Uh, you're outside, you're right on the waterfront in the beginning of the season. It's beautiful. You get breeze coming off the bay. Like it's just, it's perfect, man. It's just perfect. Yeah, and, and the the interactions with the players such a huge part of the club. I was able to take my girlfriend's nephew to his first game. Uh, I think it was last season. It might have been two years ago. Um, when Junior Flemings was still on the team. Was, mm-hmm. that, was that two seasons ago? Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, he, he scored a goal in that, in that game, that first game we went to, and, like, quickly this guy's like, oh, my, her nephew was, like, my favorite player. So we were able to get a picture and an autograph with him, you know, right after the game. And then I think I took him to the next week's game, and Flemings got sent off. He had a red card. And I had to explain to him that he wasn't allowed back on the field for the rest of the game. <laughs> um, but, yeah, yeah. I, I went uh, – Maybe it was two years ago. I try so my day job. I'm a I'm a middle school teacher, which means as of right now I'm on summer break, which is usually great because that's when like the big chunk of the season is. Not so great this year, but I went uh, a year or two ago and uh, drove up to Charlotte for a game. I left here at about five in the morning. Took my daughter with me, just her and I, on a little uh, adventure for a few days. Uh, went to the game. Uh, they went down in the first half. Uh, Damoduro. Uh, came on, made his d- debut for the team in the second half, scored an equalizer late. The game finished in a 1-1 draw. There, there was a rain delay at the beginning, uh, and it was like me and one other Rowdies fan were there. Uh, and I get back to my hotel room, and one of the players, like, I hadn't, you know, we weren't friends on Facebook or anything, but he had sent me a, a message on Facebook and was like, dude, thanks for coming. Like, yeah. first of all, how, do, how do you know? <laughs> like, I, 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 I can figure out where he got the info, but like we've become friends and, and still keep in touch and I've had him on the show. He's, he's retired now and is, is an agent, but uh, like it, it's legitimate, like the relationships you develop with these people. And a lot of the guys, the guys that come down here, even if they move on and go to play for another club later, like they still come back here. They still keep homes here. Uh, it, it's, it's a popular area with a lot of players for a lot of reasons. Yeah, and, and, and things have, have changed with the Rowdies. So, Bill Edwards, what year did Bill Edwards buy the club originally? <clears throat> All right, so they win the title in 2012. They play the next season poorly. Uh, actually, not so bad in the second half. It's the year after. So, beginning the 2014 season, I want to say, is uh, Bill Edwards. Uh, kind of the Jeff Vinnick of, of St. Pete in terms of uh, managing and developing and acquiring property. Uh, in real estate back then, I, I, I kind of get the impression he's, he's sort of semi-retired and starting to, to, to sell some of his holdings now. But uh, if you're looking to compare him to somebody, he was he was kind of the that level of involvement as, as Vinick is in Tampa. Not as much as like how Vinick is radically and positively reshaping uh, downtown Tampa, in my opinion, uh, but has done a lot for St. Pete as well, bought the team. And in what uh, if you could sum it up in, a, in, in briefly, the, the Bill Edwards era for the Rowdies. Obviously, we mentioned earlier the MLS push. That was unsuccessful. Um, but the, the, the Bill Edwards era as a whole, how would you kind of wrap that up? So I actually was thinking recently about a, a topic for us to talk about on, on, on our show one night is, is there's been three ownership groups. There was the, the group that brought them back. Uh, then there was Bill Edwards taking over and, and, and honestly saving the club from disappearing maybe yeah. forever. Um, Cause Bill bought them at a point where they weren't making payroll. They couldn't uh, pay their, 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 like there's dues they paid to the league and, and, and uh, money they owe. They, they just, they couldn't pay it. 
Um, and then, and now with the Rays, it's kind of been what's what's been the big thing that each ownership group has has kind of done. With the original group, number one, they they brought the team back, mm-hmm. they won a title, they got into Al Lang Stadium, which I think is was an improvement over over Steinbrenner, where they really had no uh, partnership in it. Uh, and especially when you start to see what like the shape Al Lang was in, like the fact that they won a title there was was amazing. Yeah. Uh, they get the name to the, the the rights to the Rowdies name back, and and they also get the the permission. They actually went to the last owner of the the, the Rowdies. The she uh, her husband had owned it, and he passed away, and she ran it for a couple years, uh, and got her permission to like carry on in, in the spirit of the team, which is uh, I think gave them a. a a good foundation and a sense of legitimacy, but then Bill Edwards came over, comes in, and, and and he's the money, and he does the things that the money can do, that needed to be done, like got control of uh, managing Al Lang Stadium. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm coughing today. Uh, you know, totally renovated it. There were there were no laundry facilities. There was no weight training facilities. There was nothing in place of that stadium. Got the uh, the, the the baseball infield removed and and the ground uh, leveled and 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 put a professional size uh, soccer pitch in there. Uh, the video scoreboard. He, that's he, and he did a lot of the the, the off the field stuff too, as far as the infrastructure and, and providing some of the people and the things the front office needed to operate really as a uh, a professional football team. And it had some hits and misses and and you know things about one year plans and, and stuff like that. Overall. The club wouldn't exist today without Bill Edwards. The the stadium, which is considered like one that there's a big push in USL to try and get teams out of minor league baseball stadiums, because that's a situation for a lot of them. The Rowdies are never mentioned as one of those teams that they have to get out of there because even though it's still the the stadium is the baseball stadium, the stands and everything, uh, except for what he's put in the uh, the uh, the midfield. Um, it's been redeveloped and it is a soccer sense. It's, it's meant for playing soccer. It's not a soccer team in a baseball stadium. Uh, they wouldn't be in the situation where they were. They wouldn't be in a spot where the Rays would say, Hey, that's a, let's, let's buy this up. And this is a good asset without what Bill Edwards put into it. And then Bill Edwards in 2018, October of 2018, I think is when it was officially announced sells the team to the Tampa Bay Rays. And it doesn't say Stuart Sternberg specifically, it just says the Tampa Bay Rays uh, purchased the Tampa Bay Rowdies. And that came with a lot of controversy from, from Rowdies yeah. fans. Talk to me about that, you know, both sides of the argument, because I think there are a lot of positive, you know, aspects of the Rays ownership. I think they've done a pretty good job so far. You know, they only had one full season with the team. Right. Um, but talk to me about the controversy that that kind of stirred up amongst Rowdies fans. Well, you know, the Rays have been in this ongoing uh, on-again, off-again saga about relocating, building a new stadium, staying in St. Pete, going to Tampa, playing half the games in Montreal. Like, there's just this this sense in the community that the, that the Rays are looking for a way out. And if so, what impact is that going to have on, on the Rowdies or under the ownership? Or, you know, the, that the Rays have had uh, one of the lower payrolls in, in, in Major League Baseball for a while what impact is that going to have on the Rowdies? And, and, and if we're being honest, you mean you can take the, the, a, a middle of the road paid player in, 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 on the Rays and they're making as much, if not more than maybe all the Rowdies combined. So yeah. the, the payroll thing hasn't ever been a big deal. I've never heard of anything uh, 
you know, well, we wanted to sign him, but wanted too much salary, anything like that. Uh, I don't know. Everything goes on behind the scenes, obviously. Uh, I do talk to some of the, play, the, the players, the coaches, the front office uh, people, and every single one of them has nothing but positive things to say about what the relationship has been like. Uh, and there have been, uh, you know, so if the first ownership group lays this foundation that I talked about, and then Edwards comes in and, and does the things that uh, money, has, money can do, the Rays have brought like actual knowledge of running a, a sports business, a sporting team too, which Bill Edwards was up front. I don't know anything. I don't know anything about the sport. I don't know anything about uh, running a sports team, but this was a, this was a St. Pete thing that needed help. And I decided to help. And uh, now you've got the Rays who, I don't know the depths of their knowledge about soccer itself, but they know how to run a sports team. Uh, and, and that's paid off a, a, a lot. And some of the, like the marketing and promotion stuff has been uh, improved when the, when the, the, the season was shut down, a lot of these players live together in, in this, you know, a certain uh, condo complex in, uh, in, in St. Pete, the, the team puts them up there. The uh, Rays provided like exercise bikes and exercise equipment so they could still work out when they're at home. Uh, the, the, the training methods, the, uh, like medical facilities that the Rays have access to, the, the staff they have access to, that all has been a huge positive. And, and you know, honestly, the only thing I would say that's, that's even really been an obvious negative has been merchandise when it comes to the Rowdies. Uh, they do a great job. I, I, I go to Tropicana Field for games. They do a great job of having uh, a ton of stuff, interesting and, and different stuff available. Um, but for lower division soccer teams, and, and this is one of the things and we've we've talked to Brian Ald a couple times, one of the the Rays VPs, who's one of the now co-chairman of the uh, the Rowdies. Uh, and, like merchandise is where lower division teams like differentiate, like where they make themselves stand out. Yeah. Even if you go down to like USL League uh, One, like a step below the, the Rowdies with uh, like Forward Madison, uh, they're a team out of Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, just released a new jersey that you know like everybody's talking about i saw it and bought it right away it's 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 insane looking uh the rowdies kind of you know iconic green and gold hoops uh jersey from the 70s and then brought back here in in, in, in different variations like that's a famous shirt around the world people recognize that in like england and ireland and so yeah like, it's it's a well-known thing and it's it's the one area where the raise and, 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 and all the merchandise stuff is run through an outside group called uh, rank and rally. Uh, they're very much committed to doing stuff for the raise and, and haven't seen that. And I can't even put that on, like I said, I can't even put that on the raise because it's this other group, but hopefully the raise can step in and do something about this because there used to be like great stuff. And now like there's not even a store right now. There's a, the, the team store, which is only on game day. And well, there's no game day. There's no yeah. website you can buy stuff from right now. Like it's, uh, that's honestly is the one area of, of, of improvement again, but uh, Bill definitely modernized, in my opinion, the infrastructure of the club, the Rays have taken it a step beyond that. Uh, Neil Collins, the head coach is, is very complimentary. Honestly, the biggest thing I can say the Rays have done is they've let the soccer people run the soccer things. Uh, something the Rays have always, you know, really been known for doing on the baseball side of things. They put the right people in place for baseball operations and stadium operations, go to another group of people. And uh, yeah, I do think they're continuing that with the Rowdies for sure. Yeah. I mean, Bill Edwards was like, let's sign Joe Cole. Let's sign Marcel Schaefer. These are big names. People know 
and they did well for the club. You can make an argument that, you know, Joe Cole had a great like first six months like that, that, that last half of the season <laughs> when he came in. And then afterwards, uh, you know, kind of showed that even at his age, he wasn't necessarily up to this level. Maybe get like 50 or 60 minutes out of him. And then his hands would be on his knees. He'd grab yeah. his back. And yeah. I love Joe Onsi is one of the nicest guys I've ever met. Like we're at the press conference where they introduce him and we're talking to him afterwards. And he's like, uh, he's like, so you're going to come to the game tomorrow. And I'm like, well, that's kind of what we do. It's <laughs> uh, like stopped me outside the stadium and said, Hey, see you next week. Like just one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. And, and uh, you know, kind of a good ambassador for the club. I know he's still, he's been back to visit. He's come to training a couple of times. Uh, Marcel Schaefer, who retired uh, late in the season to go back to his home club in Germany, Wolfsburg, where he's the sporting director. Uh, I mean, he played well right up until the end. There's no arguing that. Yeah. But they, the Rays have let Lee Cohen and uh, Neil Collins run the team, and it's they've transitioned from a, you know, names you might have known or people you might have seen on ESPN before to putting together a team with a long-term vision. Uh, there's a lot of turnover in, in, in lower division soccer players moving between clubs or retiring and going because yeah, they're getting paid, but they're not getting paid a lot. Like, and, and I'm a teacher and I'm saying they're not getting paid a lot. Like it's not a lot <laughs> for most of them. Um, they've been able to kind of keep this, like, here's the guys we want. We want to keep them around long-term and we don't want to have to be replacing half the team every year. And that's, you know, they've, they've made good progress in that in those steps too. And there is a lot of turnover, and, and not only with the Rowdies, but all across lower division soccer um, for the U.S. Uh, one, one player that I think was a favorite of, for, for both of us that has transitioned into becoming the head coach or manager or whatever, what, you know, what have you, Neil Collins. So a few years back, the Rowdies part ways with manager Stuart Campbell, and then midseason, uh, take maybe one of their better players, you know, and he, he retires and becomes the, the head coach, which, you know, may or may not have, have helped the team in the on-field play that season, but obviously I think was, was a great decision. So talk to me about Neil Collins, because w- what, what an amazing guy to have at the helm of your soccer team. Neil, for a Manchester United fan, Neil is an incredible guy. I've gotten a chance to talk to him a lot. Uh, whether it's post-game conference or just even, you know, pre-game stuff. He actually doesn't live too far from me. His, 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 I kept trying to get him to uh, get his kids into my school that I teach at for next year, but uh, I don't know if he did or not. Uh, but Neil, Neil's a, a great guy, and he's, you know, he's from Scotland originally, so it reminds me of my grandfather when I hear him start yelling and, and, and stuff. <laughs> yeah, same accent. It's, it's, it's great. Um, but yeah, he comes off the field where at a point where you could argue he was the best defensive player on the team. And honestly, that year, maybe the best overall player too. Um, and, and just dives right into head coaching. And, you know, you might look at some guys with, with a European background. He's played for, for Premier League teams. He's played for, for uh, big uh, European teams. And you might look at a guy like that and go, okay, he's, he's getting his feet wet here to go get a job somewhere else. And, and, he's about making the rowdies the best they can be about developing relationships with the youth or soccer organizations in the area developing, you know, he's, he's given uh, uh, appearances uh, to two, to local players in preseason in, uh, in cup games, uh, like non-league games. Uh, he's, he's dedicated to, to like kind of putting the rowdies back on the same level that they were originally in far terms of recognition and, uh, and, and, and everything in the area. Uh, he, 
I, I honestly, I can't. I, I when he when they made that move, I was a little worried because I had no idea what Neil Collins was going to be like as a manager. And you know, it was a rough season. You don't make manager changes midseason if, if everything's going well. Uh, it continued to be a rough. He got a little bit better, but last year, what first uh, 13, 14 games unbeaten, including like oh. 10, 12, something like that in a row. Like it, the he's definitely got the respect of the players. He's definitely got a a, a talent for coaching. Uh, every time I see a new team coming into the league or or someone else with an opening, I, I get worried that they're going to try and come and, and throw some money at Neil and he's going to leave. Uh, but he loves the area. He loves being here, and he, he loves coaching the Rowdy. So uh, hopefully it'll be going on for a while. And it, and it is really cool to see, you know, players from the Rowdies transition into coaching. I know Joe Cole is trying to do it back over in England. Mm-hmm. Neil Collins is a great example. And the Rays have some examples of that too. Kevin Cash played right, for a right. short bit with the Rays. Rocco Baldelli's, you know, Rocco Baldelli's with Minnesota winning manager of the year. Um, but yeah, Neil Collins, uh, yeah, I couldn't pick anyone else that I'd rather have in charge at, with the Rowdies right now. 2020. Uh, 2019, interesting year for the Rowdies. Going into 2020, we don't know what the season's going to look like. There's a lot of question marks. And we don't even know how much we're going to get to see some of these players play because, you know, if knock on wood, if there is no 2020 season at all, there's a good chance a bunch of them never suit up for the Rowdies and they move on to other teams. We have no idea what's going to happen. But given what we do know, who they brought in over the offseason and, and what they, you know, they did play a game, uh, what if, if you're, if, if there's a Rays fan that's listening to this now that's never watched the Rowdies before, has no idea what players to look out for or, or, or how to support the team, what advice would you give them? What players do you think they should uh, throw all their support towards? Oh, it, 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 it's hard to tell what to expect. Like you, like you said, we had the preseason and we had one game. They went up to New York. Uh, they got the first ever win in, in New York against Red Bulls. That had never happened. They haven't won in New York going back to – to, to playing against the Cosmos or anything like that. Um, so it's hard to tell, like hard to say what to expect. There's a lot of new additions this year. Uh, the guys I've really been looking forward to, uh, one of the things Rise has been known for has been strong goalkeeping. Whether it was uh, John McCarthy last year, uh, who honestly could have played in MLS all season, started for a lot of teams and is, is, uh, is on uh, Miami, uh, Inter-Miami now. Uh, Matt Pickens before that, Jeff Atnella before that. Like they've always, so this year they brought in uh, a guy. It's a, it's kind of a, a, a long running joke that the uh, the uh, Rowdies two team is really just New York Red Bulls two because they signed a bunch <laughs> of players from there. Uh, the goalkeeper who came in, Evan Lauro, uh, has spent a lot of time with New York Red Bulls too. Uh, played great in his first game, going back facing his his old club, had a couple good stops. Uh, has been a a quality goalkeeper the last few seasons. And I think that'll continue here as well. Uh, in defenders, uh, probably the biggest name that came in is Forrest Lasso. He's played with uh, Charleston. He's played with FC Cincinnati uh, before and after they moved to MLS. Uh, big, tall, just kind of dominating defender. Uh, the style, the, the formation they tend to play, he's going to kind of anchor, I think, that back line with uh, the, the other players um, is usually a fan favorite everywhere. He's one of those guys that you really don't like him when he's not on your team, but when he gets on your team, you're, you're, you're glad he is. Uh, he had a little dust up with Joe Cole when he was playing for Charleston where uh, it, it actually, I'll be honest, it took me a while to, when I heard they were signing Lasso, I'm like, Oh, that's a good player. But 
still mad about him going studs up <laughs> into Joe Cole's ankle at, at Joe's age. It's not nice. Uh, another guy to keep an eye on is uh, Louis Lomas. I don't know if it's Louis or Louis. It's probably Louis. I'm probably messing it up. Uh, he's on loan from the Premier League team Norwich City, uh, from one of their youth teams. They have an official uh, partnership with Norwich City that uh, has brought players over here. There, were, there was supposed to be a game this season against the, uh, the Norwich uh, U23s, one of their youth teams. Uh, we'll see what happens. But Lomas was the, uh, the second guy to come in. It looked good in preseason. Uh, the, the player the Rowdies had from, the, from Norwich last year, uh, Caleb Richards, was probably their best player all year. Yeah. Uh, so it's uh, good to see how these guys are, are, are performing and uh, doing well for us. Um, midfielders, they actually brought back a player they had on loan from another uh, English team and has now signed him permanently, a guy named Jordan Doherty. Good to see him back as well, too. Uh, you still have some of the standouts. The, the guys have been around for a while. Leo Fernandez, uh, Dominic Oduro is still in, is a good midfield player to keep an eye on. Malik Johnson is a real speedy guy, uh, an ex-Toronto FC2 guy, really young guy, but really, uh, really talented as well, too. Uh, Zach Steinberger is, a, is usually a fan. Like, you, would, you would maybe expect a certain style of play from Neil since he's a defender, but he is really uh, focused on uh, possession, uh, attack, attacking soccer like he doesn't want to go out there score a goal and then put 10 guys in front of their own net and, and, and try and preserve it he's a guy who's throwing on uh forwards and substitutes late uh because three one's more fun than two one so uh, <laughs> and then you've got a uh, sebastian guinzotti the, the captain uh leading goal scorer from last year had one of his best seasons ever as a professional player last year with the rowdies uh juan tejada is a kid that played at eckerd college uh, fits into a long line of Tampa Bay soccer players with amazing hairdos following up with uh, Carlos Valderrama and, and, and uh, Perry Vanderbeck and several others. And then back uh, for a second stint, uh, second year into his second stint is Lucky Cosana, uh, who played here in NASL days and uh, everyone loves him too. Like he has a habit of when it's his first game back coming in and scoring a, important goals late so he did it the first time around the rise did it again uh a lot of good guys a lot of exciting guys and there's a lot of new players in as well too that we're still trying to get a, an idea of guys like kyle murphy uh kevin mendoza lewis hilton um hilton's a very solid player we saw him play with st louis before so it there's a lot i mean i'm, I'm still trying to get uh, everything everyone straight in my head because of the new players they brought in and, and only getting to see them play that one game uh you definitely will get a team that will never quit that will be fighting until the, uh, the last whistle. So if it, you know, it's the Rays have kind of made a, a name for themselves, like trying out some unique tactics, whether it's going with an opener, uh, whether it's, you know, now they're talking about, I, I saw articles about the, the four player outfield uh, being a thing that they were experimenting with in, in spring training. Uh, there's a lot of like the, Neil Neil's not afraid to do some stuff like that and take guys that maybe you haven't heard of and go, yeah, but this guy will play well with this other guy you have heard of and building a, uh, a, a team that's hard to beat. Yeah. Personally for my money. And, and you mentioned him, I think it got, if you're new to the rowdies, you're going to your first game or you're watching your first game on TV. The one guy he's, he's homegrown, um, but he's also Panamanian and he's been, you know, playing for their national team. It's Juan Tejada. He's a five foot seven striker. 
Uh, he burst onto the scene last year as a trialist in preseason. Yep. And I think the fans pretty much willed that signing into existence with, with how much support they gave him in that preseason game. He's quickly become a, a fan favorite of, of myself. and I, I know you're a big fan of him as well. Yeah. So if, if there's one player that you're going to throw all your support behind, say that's my guy, maybe even get a, a jersey with his name on the back if there was an online team store, um, Juan Tejada would, would be that guy. And he, he is fun to watch. And he's one of those guys that is back for a second season. Gwenzadi's been around a long time. Yeah. Um, Domaduro has become a personal favorite of mine. He reminds me of, of a lot of European midfielders that can really do it all, that can win the ball back for you in midfield and then shoot it from 25 yards out. So uh, it's, it's going to be another exciting season whenever they get back underway. But Matt, real quick before we leave, Favorite Rowdy's player of all time, and briefly why? Ooh. It, it's going to seem like the easy choice. I, I got to go with Georgie Ristov. Yeah. Georgie uh, signed, and I, so Georgie signs the year after they win the championship. And the only good thing that happened that season was that they knocked off the Seattle Sounders in the Open Cup, which is this kind of like open competition between all the different levels of, of U.S. soccer. Seattle came here. Uh, Diego Restrepo, who's now a goalkeeper, I, went, I think he's in, uh, in uh, like Phoenix, New Mexico, one of those teams. He's, he's somewhere out in the, uh, the Western Conference. Saves a penalty uh, taken by Obafemi Martins, which was a huge thing. Uh, and a few minutes later, or no, actually, no, I think Georgie scored four. Scored for, that, that was one of his early goals for the team. Uh, in there, and he went on. He won the 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 MVP award for NESL, uh, and and just was a guy that they they after a couple of years they're like, okay, let's start finding the guy to, to to replace Georgie, and then Georgie would score twelve more goals, and it just took forever <laughs> until uh, you know he's one of those guys like Perry Vanderbeck's like kind of like that guy for a lot of the older Rowdies fans, the original Rowdies fans. Georgie's that kind of guy. For, for, for fans now. He's retired now. He's in the area. He's running a youth uh, futsal indoor soccer league because uh, he wants to help develop the sport and develop the, uh, the, the skill of players in this area as well. So it's cool to see him do that. He still comes out to Al Lang for games. Uh, he's the only guy that's gotten his own bobblehead. He, uh, in, in the years he was here, became the all-time leading scorer for anyone in a Rowdy's uniform. Uh, and it's just a heck of a guy too. Like I've gotten to talk to him a bunch. We've had him on the show. We've talked to him at the stadium. And uh, back when Dan was with, was with the show, he actually got Georgie to FaceTime his girlfriend after a game. And uh, <laughs> it's just, he's a guy that you're, that, that, that you're going to associate with this team for a while, no matter what. Yeah. Mr. Rowdy. And he, he kind of embodies the idea of, of that fan player interaction. He stayed local. He's coaching in the area still. Right. He does uh, private camps, but Matt, before we go, where can the people find you and, and the Unused Substitutes account on Twitter? All right. So we've got the website, which is at theunsubs.soccer, which uh, help, hopefully will help uh, you know, persuade people that it's not a, a, a Criminal Minds uh, podcast <laughs> or something. I've never actually watched the show, but as soon as we came up with the name, people were like, oh, is it for this? Criminal no. Minds? Yeah, I know. Uh, I got you. Uh, we're at it, Everywhere on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, like Snapchat, even though we're old and we don't really run it that much. But the main one, everywhere on social media is at unused subs pod. Uh, I'm on Twitter at unsub underscore Matt. 
and I think that's pretty much everything. We're 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 live on Wednesday nights. It's been like every other Wednesday night lately. Live on Radio St. Pete, which is an uh, internet radio station based out of St. Petersburg. Uh, you can listen on on the website. You can listen on uh, if you've got a Google Home or uh, an Amazon Echo. You can listen on those. If you don't want to do that, you can listen to the podcast later. We just chop it up and push it right out after we're done. Well, awesome. Thank you for coming on today, Matt. No problem. Anytime. All right. That is going to do it for this week's episode of Raise Your Voice. Thank you guys for listening. If you subscribe to this podcast feed, you'll get new episodes of this show as well as the hit show, which came back last week. They're doing a most beloved Rays player bracket. They did all the seedings for that. They dropped four great episodes. Also, be sure to check out all the great writing over at DRaceBay.com as we get ready for the baseball season to eventually begin. And if you're enjoying this particular podcast, you could drop a rate and review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to the show. That would be a huge help to us. Uh, I'm your host, Brett Rutherford, and I'll see you guys next week.